I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. I was about to break into that song, and these are break. <laughs> What's good, everyone? Happy Friday. Draft lottery happened over night over the night. My night time. It happened at a reasonable hour for the rest of y'all. There were some shocks, some not so shocks. Boston got the pick from Memphis that they were projected to get. The odds of Memphis moving into the top four were very slim, so nobody can really be surprised there. We're going to break this down for you guys. I'm joined by Mr. Wayne Brown, Mr. Tim Shields. How are you guys doing? I'm great. I'm wide awake. You know, it's early, but I'm good. <laughs> it's that coffee. I don't know what coffee my wife bought, but I tell you what, two sips of that joint and I'm boom, I'm good. I like how Wayne's just grown into a massive coffee fan now. It's it's because of you guys. <laughs> really shows, and it's like wake up. So I'm up. I'm good. <laughs> oh yeah, I got some in the pot going right now. <laughs> For anyone listening, we're recording this at six forty-five a.m. Eastern time. So these two guys be very tired. I'm wide awake. It's near, it's fifteen minutes, and it's midday for me. So I'm living my best life. <laughs> I love it. I love it a lot. Hey man, usually it's me who's getting tired recording late at night. So uh, the tables have turned. The tables have turned. <laughs> I feel I feel like I should do like a more ha ha ha. Anyway, Minnesota guys pulled out the first pick in the upcoming draft. How do you guys feel about this? I, I mean, good for him. <laughs> Sorry. No, you got it. I I was cool with it. You said it was good for him. You know, as it was coming down to that first and second pick, I was like, come on, it can't be Golden State. And, and and I'm sitting there washing dishes, and I'm like, this it can't be Golden State. Like, they can't just get the first pick. They can't have the bet, the suckiest season probably of their life and come out on top with the first pick just because. And they almost did, but I was happy for Minnesota. I mean, the one that got me was Charlotte coming in at three. I mean, Minnesota, let's hit Minnesota first. There's me jumping places. I don't see them taking LaMelo. I feel like LaMelo is going to slide down to two or three now because – Minnesota are all in on D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns as their two main guys, which means they're going to be looking for a, a scorer, whether that's Anthony or Edwards, or they've got their eye on somebody else that isn't projected to go top five. I don't feel like they're going to go Wiseman unless they're looking for a backup center, which wouldn't make sense. You don't use the first pick in a draft to pick up a, ba- uh, a backup. You're going to need to be giving him minutes instantly so that they can reach their potential. There we go. I do try and think about what the Wolves want to do in terms of if they're trying to build, if they're trying to add another star. Twitter is already trying to be like, oh, yeah, they're going to trade for Devin Booker because Devin Booker is friends with D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. That being said, we talked about this a little bit before we started this episode, but I really don't know how I feel about this draft. Even first overall pick in this draft I don't know if it has to do with COVID, just the draft class as well. I think it's a combination of the two. But there isn't a lot of hype about this draft. There's maybe one or two guys that people are like, yes, this guy's going to be projected as a star. Other than that, it's a really level playing field, which means these picks don't have as much value. Do you think from like a Wolves perspective, do you think trading for a guy like Devin Booker is even realistic? Because in my mind, after the way they played in the bubble, I have a feeling Devin Booker's going to want to try and make it work in Phoenix. I think Phoenix is going to try and want to make it work. And I think they landed at, what, 10th overall? Yeah, they landed at 10th. I don't see that being 
I mean, it could be if Phoenix are sold on Lamelo, but if you're moving up to draft Lamelo, it's to pair him with Booker. It's not exactly. To... I, I I don't see Booker going anywhere. I feel like that eight and over run kind of showed him what that franchise can kind of be working towards, along with DeAndre Ayton. I agree. If they try and move up, then it'll, they maybe package a couple of picks, maybe throw in Kelly Oubre, um, try and get in. Because Minnesota's just going to be looking for wings now. They've got their guard. They've got their big. They're going to need some versatile wings that can score and defend. If they feel like Kelly Oubre can help bridge that gap more than any of the guys coming out of the draft, then there might be a discussion there. But, if I mean, Phoenix, if they really want to, that they, they can move up. I, I mean, they don't. They'd be better off trading with Golden State at that point because we both, as we know, we don't expect Minnesota to draft Lamelo. So you try and move with Golden State that are all, that will be most likely actively shopping that pick to try and trade for Lamelo to pair him with Booker. And I feel like that would be that would be a really f- fun backcourt. I know I wouldn't like it. That would be a scoring. That they're already scoring points. That would be a scoring team machine. Um, you know, when I when I look at the the, at the first pick. And I say, look, this is good for Minnesota because you want to see this team kind of like, especially with Kevin Garnett, like kind of like at the realm. This is this will be his first kind of like, if he if he's all the way in there, this will be like his first thing. Like he buys the team, he owns the team, or whatnot. This will be one of his first moves, and I hope he does better than the guy in Charlotte. But when it comes to drafting, but this will be something like I think he would get it right just because he's he was kind of like on the bridge of the end of the old game into the new game. And he's been watching the new game like very intuitively and he's been in it and, you know, doing he had a show, big ticket or whatnot, like uh, Area 21. This would be cool to see Kevin Garnett and where his mindset is when it comes to like drafting um, the players. But they're kind of solid. My only question would be like, what is – is D'Angelo Russell's – I know they like what they have, but is his contract number screaming? Because if that's the case and they feel like they can get out of a contract and then pick up a, a rookie on his contract and then deal with the money later on down the end, um, is that an option for uh, for those guys in, um, in Minnesota to trade the pick? I mean, I feel like Minnesota made that move to get D'Angelo Russell, one, because they feel like D'Angelo Russell – is their point guard of the future. And two, because that's the way to keep Carl Anthony Towns in, in Minnesota. Carl Anthony Towns seems a little bit disenchanted to start the season. It's no secret that one of his closest friends in the league is D'Angelo. And they, they haven't really had that much floor time together to really see what they're capable of achieving. So I don't think that Minnesota move on from D'Lo early. I feel like they're going to run next season with D'Lo. And if they keep that pick, they'll be looking to add a scorer. Um, a wing most likely I feel like that's the move for them as well I think it's better for them to keep the pick and just draft a piece that they think will hit I think Anthony Edwards makes a lot of sense as you were saying Adam putting him at the two or D'Lo at the two and maybe having one or the other run the point that's just going to add a lot more to that team than trying to find someone to take the first overall pick in a draft that no one's really excited about so I think one team that could move is like, I don't know if it's cool if I can segue here, but I think Golden State's going to move that second overall pick. And we're expecting them to shop it. I'm kind of happy they didn't get the first overall pick, even if it was in a draft that's kind of down, just because I know as soon as Golden State moves that pick, they're going to end up just taking a massive step again and becoming a problem. I mean, at the minute, Tanker fans got James Wiseman going to Golden State. Tankathon agree with us as well. They um, they think Edwards is going to mini. I feel like if 
James Wiseman might actually be worth keeping the pick for for Golden State. That gives you a rim-protecting big that's scalable to become a floor-stretching big. He's going to be an absolute beast. He's already, what, 7'1", nearly 240 pounds. He's a, he's a man. Like, he's going to be doing some real big things for that team. I, I don't see them shopping it. I feel like if they think that they need rim protection, whether that be coming off the bench or whether that be in the starting lineup, depending on matchups, then James Wiseman's going to be a shot-altering big that can get work down on the low block and can stretch the floor into the mid-range for them off pick and pops. I don't know if, he's, if he has the speed. I haven't seen enough of him to say whether he could keep up with their pace and space offense or whether they'd run him as a trailer similar to what Denver do with Jokic. The only difference is you can have Jokic trail up the floor because he's your primary playmaker. He can scan the floor on his way up, catch the ball and make the play. I don't think Wiseman's going to be a big-time facilitator probably in his entire career. But if Wiseman's, Wiseman's going to be on the board at number two, I just don't see why you wouldn't take a, a shot on a guy that could end up becoming an all-NBA defensive big. Yeah, that'll, that'll be another another firepower piece to, to their offense. They'll, be having, they'll have Curry, Clay Thompson be back. Draymond can successfully get back into that four position, even though he can slide over into the five. They got Wiggins. And then they got the young guys that have been coming off, you know, have been starting and coming off the bench. They draft, they draft Edwards. They're going to be a problem out west. They're going to be a problem, and and I like to see the West battle. I mean, I know I'm focused on the East, but I like when the when the West is wild and and the teams are going at it. So, if they draft this kid, this is going to be a problem for the NBA. I know we haven't seen a lot of these kids play, but at least the top three, top four, top five picks, we 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 get the we get the good highlights, right? So we get to watch those guys do what they do, and I, you know. I like Edwards. I think Edwards is better than Ball. And that's just me personally. I know Ball's a, a a natural scorer. You get to the rim and shoot and do all those things. But I like Edwards, especially if you played with him in 2K with the next level cards. He's a, he's a problem. Yeah, I think Lamelo's biggest question marks are around his defense, whereas Edwards' biggest question marks are around his sl- shot selection. Defense is more effort-based. Shot selection is more IQ. I don't know which one you're going to think. I mean... Lamelo's got all the attributes to become a passable defensive, excuse me, a passable defensive guard. Edwards has all the attributes to become a surefire second option in the league, maybe a first option on a team that's not contending. It's it's all kind of ifs, buts, no coconuts. I do, I do believe that Lamelo's going. Lamelo's a top three guy, and I'm questioning whether or not he's going to go to Charlotte at three because Charlotte have. Um, guaranteed so much money to T-Row over the next few years that do you bring Lamelo in and then put T-Row's nose out of joint? T-Row went there to be the starting guard. If Lamelo comes in, then by all accounts, you're going to give him the, the keys to the franchise. You're gonna, he's going to be your new, your new point guard of the future. Along, and then he, you pair him with PJ Washington, Devante Graham, and you've got a solid young core to move into the next few years with. I just don't know where that leaves Rozier. Back on the bench, not happy. And I don't know another team really that would be willing to offer him a starting spot. What do you guys think about Obi Toppin potentially going um, to the Hornets? I mean, Obi Toppin's what? He's projected to go number 10 over to Phoenix. So that's a big climb. So seven, I mean, it's not unheard of and it's definitely possible. It gives them a forward. It gives them a big body. Six, nine, play a bit of small ball. Five, maybe. Spend most of his time at the four. Gore. 
I just don't. I mean, to me, that makes more sense. If you've committed so much money to Terry Rozier, do you really want to move on from him after one season? But LaMelo Ball just seems like he's got that superstar persona. So do you, do you kind of say to T-Row, like, look, thanks for the year, but we're going to look to actively move you or you're going to be coming off the bench? Tapia makes a ton of sense, but LaMelo to me screams like future guard, especially for a franchise like the Hornets that relied so heavily on Kemba up until last season. Yeah, it was just one of the mock drafts I saw in Sports Illustrated. So I also pulled a tankathon one as well. Um, and of course, I think LaMelo Ball, as you said, Adam, is one of those guys that has that potential to be uh, a star in my mind. But it's just a matter of can you live with that defense as it tries to develop? And do you think, from my perspective, I don't think it's a good idea to necessarily, after pouring a bunch of money into Terry Rozier, when you're already in a cash trap situation, adding a redundant piece. But who knows? Maybe they go with the best player available. Maybe they slide T Row over to the two. I was, you took the words right out of my. I was just waiting for my time. It's an undersized two. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> bro. <laughs> I was just, I was gonna slide that right on in there because you guys hit the nail on the head. You know, if they, if T Row moves to the two, he goes right back to natural born scoring, just shooting, getting to the rim. The things that he's really great at, I think Rozier struggles when it comes to dictating and running the offense. I think LaMelo Ball could come in and do the same thing. And when they're just having a downtime, he can get you buckets, right? That's what he does. But like you guys said, he's expendable on defense. And is that something that Charlotte wants to do? I know they want to put up points, offense, you know, sales tickets. Once people can start going back to the NBA, fans can start going back to the NBA. But it would be really exciting to see what who they draft. Uh, because like you said, they spent money on Terry Rozier. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate that guys succeed very well in one system and then they go to a team and they just, and I'm going to say it, especially Celtics players, you know, as of lately, you know, I'm not talking about 10, 15 years ago when we were drafting guys like Chauncey Billups and, and uh, uh, Iso Joe and those type of players that went to other teams and just became superstars. Um, we're ta- I'm talking about the guys that we've seen lately, uh, Avery Bradleys, those guys. When they go to the other teams and they fit in their roles, they just don't, they don't, they aren't the same. And it's unfortunate um, that it's going to be like that, that it's like that for these players. Um, but I I don't know what they're going to do in, in Charlotte. And I can't wait to see how Michael Jordan, <laughs> you know, he's the guy, like what they draft. He, he, for his first time, I hope he hit, I hope he gets it right. That's all I'm going to say. I hope he gets it right. I mean, moving on to look at Boston, and I feel like Lamelo is your surefire pick. If you don't go Lamelo, maybe you go Killian Hayes. Maybe you do go Killian Hayes because Killian Hayes can play both guards. He's a combo guard. So maybe you slide Killian Hayes in at the two. He's got a bit more speed. But I just feel like, I do feel like Lamelo's height, Lamelo's length, the fact that he's played in multiple different countries. He's played, where was he? He was in, um, Slo- was it Slovenia, was he? Or. Where's Paul Zingas from? Lithuania. He's played in Lithuania and in Australia. He's got that experience of playing pro ball. And if you look at the way the Europeans kind of develop guys, they really work on the fundamentals. So I feel like Lamelo could come in and be a very serviceable guard from day one. Except for defense. You're going to have to hide that dude on defense. But we've seen in Boston that you can hide guys on defense quite comfortably. Kemba gets in on defense regularly. And it doesn't, it works. It doesn't hinder them too much. Sticking on the Celtics, they're going to be picking number 15, sorry, number 14. And they're projected to get Patrick Williams. Now, I was speaking to Jeff Goodman yesterday for the hoop spot. 
in my other podcast. And I asked Jeff Goodman, I said, who do you think is going to be the Donovan Mitchell of this draft? His response instantly, Patrick Williams. He feels like Patrick Williams is going to be one of the best not like non-top 10 guys in the entire draft who's got the big body and the scoring that he's going to be able to slide right into Boston's rotation. Have either of you guys seen much of him? I know he's 6'8", 225, small forward. Um, I haven't seen too many highlights, but I can't wait to see, break this film down and see how he plays. Does he attack the basket? He's a wing, though, but you said he can score, so I can't wait to see how he plays. Florida State guy? Yeah, Florida State. It says on Tangathon here that he's listed as a power forward, so... Uh, that could be a good thing. And also, based on how young he is, he's 19 years old. Correct. Um, so if he's at 19 right now, he's still got a few years of growing, which means his frame could get bigger. He could fell a little bit more. But he's not a small guy at 225. Um, the one thing I will say is I, if he's able to play the power forward spot and based on what we need for this team, I think that would be good because eventually you have to think about where you're trying to go with this team in terms of, the build at the four and five, how are you trying to add to the big men you've already got? Who's going to be around when you finally look at contract situations after the draft? So I think it'd be worth it. I think it'd be taking a good chance on a guy, especially if you think he's going to be that under the radar, Adam. Yeah, I mean, going at 14 isn't under the radar, under the radar, but he definitely looks like he's like he's crazy athletic. He can, he's got hops to him. He can... He can hit that alley-oop coming off the weak side. He can go back door on you. He can post you. He can hit, pull up from the mid-range. He's got solid height. The dude's already got a, an adult man frame. He's a bit of a bulldozer when he gets going downhill. I think that if Boston can pick him, then he would give you like ridiculous energy alongside uh, Robert Williams coming off the bench. Those two guys would be a really dynamic front court in terms of just explosiveness, athleticism, and strength down on the low block. So if he's available at 14, then he'd probably be the guy that I'd want Boston to be taking a big look at. Simply because, one, Jeff Goodman, I trust him. Um, he's been doing this for a very, very long time. Two, watching his highlights, he can beat guys off the dribble. He can just do a bit of everything. And I'm not saying he's going to be a star, but pairing him with Rob Williams and then maybe sliding Grant Williams to the three, that is a really high IQ, high strength, solid defense, versatile trio of bigs and I'm all for it completely and utterly all for it yeah just looking at looking at his frame he reminds me of Jeff Green and and you can possibly slide this kid to the three not sure if I would like Grant Williams at the three but you know you know more than I do so um this it could be a problem have adding this kid to the roster I'm just hoping that the Celtics will Danny Ainge does a great job at hiding his draft picks I mean he was able to hide Jason Tatum somehow from the number one and the number two picks um, I do see that teams possibly may move up for him. If the Knicks draft this kid at number seven or number nine, whatever their pick is, it you know, I think there would be a log jam for them because they just have too many power forwards. Forwards. Um, but I'm hoping that this, if this kid is the guy that you know people are raving about, too fit for the Celtics. I, just looking at his stature, looking at his stats, looking at what he's done, I think this will be a perfect fit for Boston they don't like big big guys they like those tweener guys they like guys that can kind of like rotate you know in the positions and he does look like he can beat guys off the dribble I can't wait to sit here and break down some of his film you know it's just it's a draft though 
So it was like, I'll get my hopes up for this guy. I need uh, give me five more players I should be watching. So that way, if I if we don't make it on this one, I could be like, okay, well we could get this guy. That that's how I'm looking at it. But um, he definitely looks like a a, a basketball player at 19. That's that's amazing. He's slashed slashed. He's flashed some corner free potential as well. He's hit quite. He's oh. his shots not polished. It doesn't look great, but it's serviceable. It's quite a quick release. He's scored them with I wouldn't say regularity, but. He's scored them comfortably when he's uncontested down on the corners. He likes to play coming in off the elbow, likes to come through his defensive blocks. He likes to be in the rear view because he's just got the hops and the wingspan to kind of chase guys down. With looking at the Knicks, I feel like, because like, you mentioned the Knicks, I feel like the Knicks are more focused on a point guard at the moment. So maybe, probably Tyrese Halliburton or Kira Lewis will be a guy that the Knicks are kind of looking at more. They better. For me, if. <laughs> If Patrick Williams is available at 14 and he doesn't get picked, I'm not, I'm going to need it. I'm going to need explanations. <laughs> so you're saying he'll be gone by 14? I'm saying if he's available at 14, which he's projected to be, then I feel like he's the best fit for the Celtics and he's probably the best talent available at that point. And then the Celtics then, if you move further down the draft, in fact, we'll go to break. When we come back, we'll break down the last two Celtics picks. So the Celtics still have another two picks in the first round. We're not going to focus on the second round because there's just not enough roster spots. If the Celtics keep the first, all three picks in the first, then you can expect the second round guys to either end up on two-way deals or to not have a contract extended to them. So picking at 26, Tankathon has Tyler Bay. If you're on Twitter and you follow Andrew Doxy or you follow Draft Dummies or anybody that's kind of plugged into draft, like draft Twitter, then Tyler Bay is a guy that a lot of people have liked towards the end of the first round. A small forward, six foot seven, he can shoot free, he can score inside, he can grab boards, he can do a little bit of everything, but he does project it at the next level as a sharpshooter. That's something the Celtics bench has been screaming, and I mean screaming for, over the last season. They really need somebody that can come off the bench, just play their role and hit freeze. And Tyler Bay kind of projects as that guy right out the bat. He'll be coming in at what six seven? So he's got the length. What have you got? I mean, I want him if he's coming off the bench and he can hit threes with regularity. Then I feel like he's going to be a very very serviceable option on his rookie deal. I for that particular player with Tyler Bay, um, I'm not too familiar with this play. Um, I know that you're looking at a six foot seven kid, junior coming out of Colorado. So yeah, I think any guy that I see Boston trying to draft. I think a three-point shot in defense is the bare minimum that we need. I think right now, based on the picks, I don't even want to think about how they're going to try and manage these roster spots, if there's consolidation trades that need to happen. But either way, I think the Celtics need to try and think about guys, not even necessarily who might have the highest ceiling, but who's going to have the highest floor. Because you're drafting guys that are going to be able to flesh out the rest of your roster you need guys that you can depend on coming off the bench that can give you some scoring without necessarily being a liability on defense. And so far, at least with the last couple picks, Boston's done that. I don't know how safe I feel with Boston trying to hit around 26 or 30 
uh, depending on where those picks end up landing at the end of the day. But these are these picks are very important in terms of how this team goes forward. I think with some of the contract situations they've got, they really need to help build around what they've already got established. And that means hitting on these picks, even later ones. I mean, when you say hitting on them, nobody's asking for a star at 26 and 30. What you're asking for is a guy that can come in and play their role and just do that one thing really well. Yeah, I'm asking for not Yabu. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm asking for. Yeah, which is like, if you've got Tyler Bay, what you're saying is we want you to come in and hit 36 to 38% of your threes from the go. So he comes in, he has one role, shoot the ball, and that's it. I mean, and, and, and play defense, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, so if you can do those two things, you can start to expand your game once you've got a foothold. So the point, the way I look at it for rookies at this, like this far down in the draft is, you come in and you play a very specific role and you're a specialist. And then over time, you start to expand your game, you work on your weaknesses and you eventually flourish into being able to do two things within your role. So maybe you start as a three-point shooter, you work on your, your dribble drives, you work on finishing around the rim, and then you add slashing into your game. It's all a jigsaw puzzle. But from the jump, if Tyler Bay can come in and shoot 35 to, <coughs> excuse me, 38%, then he's the guy that I'd like at 26. Now, I don't agree with Tankathon at 30. I also have a center wrote down on my big board, but I do not have Vernon Carey Jr. I have Xavier Tillman, who's projected to fall quite low. He's projected to go to the Knicks with the 38th pick. I would like to see him go to Boston with the 30th. If you're looking at a guy that is basically Robert Williams, except instead of being a ridiculous athlete, which Tillman still is, he can stretch the floor and score threes. He will be your Time Lord free ball kind of prototype crossover sort of guy. I'm struggling for a word to describe him. He's big. He's fast. He's not going to give you as many alley-oops because he doesn't have the bounce that Rob Williams does, but he has a really good three-point shot and can stretch the floor. I'd like to see him in Boston Green at number 30, and I feel like him coming off the bench assuming you see now this is where it gets it gets tricky like do you want to pick another big when there's already a rotation of three or four of these dudes so for that to happen then you do need to kind of say like right who's leaving is are you moving on from Vincent Poirier are you moving on from Ennis Kanta what are you moving to make Tillman kind of fit at foot in that roster if you're not going to be opening up a big, a big man rotation spot then you don't pick a center at all because you're wasting a pick but if you are picking a center, then I do think it should be Xavier Tillman. If you're going away from a center, then a guy that's projected to be around around about that time, who's actually meant to fall to 45. And I was speaking to the draft dummies on this podcast a few weeks ago. And Grant Ryler, Grant Ryler looks like he's going to be one of those do-it-all guards. Looks like he could be a steal in the second round. If you can get him in the 30th and he does what he's projected to do, then you're probably going to have hit with your 30th pick. Not too big, six foot three, can facilitate, can score in the lane, can score from outside. Defense is passable. And I feel like there's more of a chance of Ryler earning minutes on the rotation than there is of Tillman. If the Celtics add another another guard, um, I, I, it, what, what are they, they going to do with some of these guys that they already drafted? Now, we know that the Celtics like to get, to get those smaller guys. So what does how does this fare for Carson Edwards, who was a draft pick last year? Does this they can't just move on from him or or can they? Like how how does it fare for a player like that? Because that's what the Celtics need. The Celtics need guys that can come in 
and get points. And you want to rotate these guys in there. You don't want them to be expendable on defense. You want them to come in there and be able to just get their shot off. I don't know about you guys, but I would love to see just some bigger bodies on the court at some of these, especially at the guard positions. Because whenever I watch the games, whenever I sit there and break down the games, it just looks like guys are that they're defending are huge, and they, you know, and they can't get around them on offense to get their shots off or or whatever. I wanted to touch just a little bit, very quickly, on the Xavier Tillman guy. If he is what you're saying he is, Celtics can run. They already like to run the pick and roll a lot, and they definitely use that with Robert Williams setting double screens, all types of screens and things like that. I can't wait to see how they incorporate more of the pick and pop game. So now you're talking about setting the pick, setting the screen, staying there at the three, and then making the bigs come out or or somebody trying to rotate over to defend. If this guy can hit those threes out of Michigan State, like that, that I would love to see something like that for the Celtics. And it just adds another dynamic to Brad Stevens' offense and another way that defense defenses will have to defend the Celtics going forward. So I'm I'm gonna look at the other players that you mentioned at the bigs. But if they can grab a big at 30, it's clearly they're going to be moving on for a couple of guys. And it's probably like a guy like Ennis Canner, just because of contracts. I know he didn't make a lot of money um, for the Celtics, but I could see them moving on from guys like that just to get, you know, some some stretching going on. Yeah, I mean, if they don't pick an, if they don't pick a center at 30, then another guy to keep your eye on is Paul Reed, who's projected to go number 42. He's a forward. I feel like he would be a good serviceable option as well. But if you're picking Pat Williams at 14, then Paul Reed isn't going to find any minutes because Pat Williams is going to take those bench forward minutes anyway. And this is the problem. There's three picks and there's so many people already on this roster top to bottom that I feel like whoever gets picked at 30 will probably spend most of the year in Maine if we're being completely honest with each other. Which, why, I mean, the other option is they pick at 14, they go and pick Poku and draft and stash him. But I feel like Pat Williams is more of a surefire thing than Poku. And with the 14th pick, if Pat Williams is available, I do not want anybody else, unless Precious is true, is available. There's too many tangibles and too many moving pieces to really nail down who you want it to be. We're going to leave it there because we could talk about this for another three hours and still be in exactly the same spot as when we started. I uh, think draft was so so much fun, though. And we're not even talking. We this is we started with lottery picks, you know. And now it's trying to figure out who's going to pick who. I never thought it would be so much fun. It's uh, it's tough. It, it is tough, especially when you're looking at a team like Boston that's going to be moving into a roster crunch anyway. So whoever you pick need to be specialized, and you need to know. Like I feel like Tyler Bay. If you pick him at 26, you can find minutes for a guy that can get you buckets off the bench. You can always find minutes for those guys. But a guy at 30, like Tillman, that's going to be sitting behind Cantor, sitting behind, uh, probably sitting in front of Poirier, if we're being completely honest with each other. But then you've still got Tyson Cantor in front of him. Robert Williams will be in front of him. He's going to be in May. There's no, because there's just no minutes for him in Boston and they, they're going to need reps to improve. It's, it's tough. It really is. I mean, the only chance, the only time I change my mind on Tyler Bay is if Kira Lewis falls to 26, at which point you draft Kira Lewis and I'll be running through the streets screaming with happiness. <laughs> we'll be back on Monday with your regularly, regularly scheduled Celtics discussions. Just so we're aware, Jason Tatum is probably the most informed forward in the East right now. And if he's not, then you're not watching enough Jason Tatum. We'll be back on Monday. We hope you guys have a great weekend. Stay safe. Try not to do anything we wouldn't do. And we'll see you soon.